Welcome to Crisis Leadership, Coronavirus Edition, an original series and public service from Diversion Podcasts. Over five episodes, one of the world's leading crisis management experts, Dr. Charles Castor, takes what he has learned throughout his career and applies it to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, preparing you to overcome the unprecedented hurdles of today and tomorrow. Crisis Leadership Coronavirus Edition is for leaders, for mentors, and for anyone who wants a peek behind the curtain at how our governments and large organizations handle or mishandle major crises. This is Episode 1, Failure to Imagine, Readiness Matters. I'm Dr. Charles Casto, a safety consultant and researcher on extreme crisis leadership. This podcast mini-series discusses the commonalities in leadership between the Fukushima nuclear meltdowns and the coronavirus meltdown. I've spent much of my career participating in and leading response teams. I've also conducted academic-level research on the leadership attributes needed to lead an extreme crisis. Thus, my observations here are based both on practical experience and research in leading through an extreme crisis. First, my condolences to all those affected by this horrific virus. This virus is an invisible enemy that we must kill, and we will win that war. You're very familiar with the meltdown caused around the world with the coronavirus. Tragic deaths, illnesses, economic markets, our normal way of life has melted into a bizarre new normal. Let me remind you of the reactor meltdowns at the Fukushima nuclear plant in 2011. On March 11, 2011, the Great Eastern Japan earthquake struck the Tohoku region of Japan. The 9.0 earthquake was felt as far away as Antarctica. The earth actually moved on its axis. The tsunami waves created were enormous. Ocean waves as high as three and four-story buildings overwhelmed villages up and down the Sendai coast. Swept away by the waves in just minutes, tens of thousands of lives were lost. Roads, bridges, homes, and buildings fell. Thousands of people are still missing. America itself had over 200,000 citizens in harm's way in Japan. Soon, the nuclear plant Fukushima Daiichi and other nuclear plants were without vital water and power supplies. Without this lifeblood, the reactors would melt down and reactor buildings would explode. It was the first web-streamed nuclear accident and we watched it transpire from our homes. Fear was rampant throughout Japan and the world as it is today with COVID-19. After the Fukushima meltdowns, the global nuclear industry saw the accident as one that was, quote, made in Japan, unquote. There was a theory that the Japanese succumbed to an over-optimistic safety culture with their nuclear plants. That there was a myth of safety. This myth of safety blinded them to existential threats to their nuclear plants. A similar perspective exists that the pandemic was, quote, made in China, unquote, that this pandemic was caused by their use of wet markets. Both events have in common a failure of readiness. I'll discuss that, but in the end, this podcast focuses on how to lead an extreme crisis regardless of its source. During the Fukushima meltdowns, Prime Minister Khan called President Obama and asked him for help. President Obama called the chairman of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and asked them to send a team to Japan 
to help respond and to protect the American citizens there. I was chosen as the lead federal executive in response. I immediately traveled to Japan just days after the event, and I was assigned there as a leader for 11 months. I still remain engaged today. My experiences during the Fukushima nuclear meltdowns, as well as other extreme crises, have taught me several significant leadership lessons. And those form the core of my recent book, Station Blackout, Inside the Fukushima Nuclear Disaster and Recovery. In my book, I define extreme crisis as what some would call a black swan event, or the one percenters, where the system breaks down and fails. My research into such events, including Fukushima, Deepwater Horizon, Superstorm Sandy, and Three Mile Island accident, along with interviews at the White House Situation Room and the Red Cross, have helped me to work towards a unified theory of extreme crisis leadership. I think it's worthwhile to apply that theory to our current global pandemic. I know there's a legion of self-proclaimed experts out there right now offering advice to leaders on how to respond to the pandemic. I hesitated to add my voice to all that noise. What does a nuclear expert know about the spread of disease? But on March 11th, just a few days ago, marked the ninth anniversary of the Fukushima disaster. That anniversary prompted me to think about the commonalities between Fukushima and COVID-19. Perhaps there are a few things of value I can add to the conversation. What I want to do with this mini-series is walk you through several aspects that the Fukushima nuclear meltdown and the coronavirus crises have in common. I will also talk about the stages of an extreme crisis event from my academic research to put this extreme crisis in some context. First, if we look back, one commonality between the two events is what I call a failure of imagination. If you don't or can't imagine something can happen, you don't fully prepare for it. Just as at Fukushima for COVID-19, there was an inability or unwillingness to imagine that something as catastrophic would be so devastating, and then to prepare for the consequences of that. Operators at Fukushima stated that the conditions during the accident were unfathomable. The consequences of COVID-19 are similarly unfathomable. In Japan, they never imagined for the potential of a 9.0 earthquake off the coast. However, there are two factors that belie this point. There were some Japanese engineers that raised the potential for significant earthquake and tsunami in the area near the plant. But this information went unheeded, and so the plants were not readied for such a consequential accident. And officially, the Japanese did not imagine that three 45-foot tsunamis could strike the plant. Therefore, the plant was not ready to respond. The government's emergency management system failed. Similarly, today's management system worldwide are failing in the face of the coronavirus. Also, there was a very detailed U.S. government report issued years before the Fukushima accident, which provided details on the consequence of this accident. In fact, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission uses that report as a basis for their severe accident training. I had a copy of the report with me on the way to Japan. It perfectly detailed the accident's progression. I offered the report to the Japanese government, but I had the feeling they didn't want to use it in their response. In some sense, the Japanese government was always fearful that the Americans might take over the response to Fukushima, so they kept us in it at arm's length. For COVID-19, 
There's a 2019 government report on a pandemic simulation called Crimson Contagion that highlighted there were many structural and tactical lessons learned for pandemic. And as in Fukushima, these recommendations went unheeded. During Fukushima, there was a tremendous impact on the population. Over 100,000 residents were evacuated. This was all due to the failure of imagination that a major tsunami could strike the plant. So the Japanese government and the nuclear industry failed to establish proper emergency planning. During that evacuation, many people died, especially critical care patients who were moved. We see the same failure of emergency planning with the cruise ships, both in Japan and the United States. Because a major pandemic was unfathomable, we failed to prepare. Now millions are paying the price. These commonalities often occur with an extreme crisis. An extreme crisis, by definition, is unfathomable. It's difficult for any government or company, for that matter, to imagine the worst. Preparing for the worst often involves spending a lot of resources on something that is very low probability. In nuclear power, much as what happened in the Fukushima case, business interests must make decisions on the application of resources. Similarly, our government had to make decisions on the insights gained from the Crimson Contagion report. In the next podcast, I want to address other important commonalities between the Fukushima meltdown and the coronavirus meltdown. Thanks for listening to Crisis Leadership, Coronavirus Edition, a Diversion Podcast's original series. Crisis Leadership was written and hosted by Dr. Charles Casto. Executive Producers, Scott Waxman and Mark Francis. Diversion brings real stories to life. Hear more engaging shows at diversionpodcasts.com. And if you're enjoying this show, check out this other great series from Diversion, The War Queens. Hi, I'm Emily Jordan. My dad writes military history, a history written by men about men. That is, until the day I asked him why he didn't write about women as war leaders. Emily, that's because nobody writes about wars from the perspective of women. Until now. Five years ago, my dad and I started looking into the stories of women who led their nations in wartime throughout history. These queens of swords have been winning wars for over 2,500 years, and they defeated some of the greatest male commanders in their day. As we look deeper into the rich history of women leading armies, Emily and I learned that each woman has a fascinating story to tell. Join us for fascinating true stories of powerful women waging war and teaching us lessons about power, politics, and inner strength.